Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hey there, welcome to episode 40 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. I am so excited that you joined us today. And also, I was able to make this recording if I'm honest with you, like all around is I'm experiencing some chaos. I moved to the new house. We're doing constructions. And also I just opened my second office in Hermosa Beach. So there are lots of boxes everywhere. And I was so excited when I found my podcasting device. Anyhow, today we're going to talk about uh, sexual fantasies. If you listen to my previous shows, you you know that I'm kind of obsessed with sexual fantasies and dreams because I believe it gives us very good information about our unconscious mind and also what are some of our internal process is like. Our guest today is Mrs. Gigi Engel. Mrs. Gigi Engel is a writer and sex educator. She was the head sex and dating writer for Elite Daily and Thrillist Media Group before launching a career in freelance writing and sex education. She's written and reported for a variety of magazines and websites, including Cosmo, Elle, Teen Vogue, Marie Claire, Glamour, Brides, and many more. Gigi teaches classes and workshops Focus on sex at basics like Vibrator 101 to butt plugs for beginners to feminist topics like vulva confidence and the orgasm gap. She's currently working on her first book, a feminist sex guidebook with San Martin's Press. 
Here's my conversation with Mrs. Gigi Engels. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so honored and excited to have Mrs. Gigi Engels in our show today. She's a sex educator and author. Gigi, welcome to our show. Hi, thanks for having me. It's wonderful to have you. I am so excited for this topic. We're going to talk about sexual fantasies. And I personally, as a therapist, I find them very rich. I feel they have lots of good information. But oftentimes, people have many questions about where they're coming from. What is that about? So I'm super excited to have you here so you can share some of your insight in this area with us. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this too. This is definitely an area that I get asked a lot about from readers. (laughs) Right. And first question I have that many people ask me, because, you know, some of the fantasies can be to my clients and even friends, they might appear a little bit strange and peculiar. So where do you think the sexual fantasies are coming from? Well, I think that there's really no one place that a sexual fantasy actually comes from. I think that, well, we live in a very sex negative culture that casts a pretty shameful view on sexuality as a whole. So when you're having sexual thoughts of any kind, we're taught that it's shameful, it's embarrassing. And so if you're having sexual fantasies that are um, outside of the sphere of, you know, you thinking about your partner, hopefully someone you're married to, then there must be something wrong with you or you're a sexual deviant or you have, you know, stuff that you should be ashamed of. But really sexual fantasies are just a part of the human mind because fantasy and imagination are synonymous with each other. So when you think about a sexual fantasy and where it actually comes from, it comes from a whole variety of things. It's sort of the same thing about where you're like, where did that dream I had come from? Or why do certain things turn me on? And it comes from a whole different, a whole breadth of different things. It could come from experiences you've had, you had as a child. It could come from the first guy you had a crush on or first girl you had a crush on when you were a a kid. It could be something that you saw in a movie. It could be something that you never saw before in your life, but for some reason it turns you on because the mind is extremely complex. And I think that we need to acknowledge that any fantasy you're having is, any sexual fantasy you have is pretty, is normal. It's just your brain having an imaginative experience that you don't need to feel upset or ashamed about. As long as you're not fantasizing about something that would harm another person and you don't like act out harming another person, obviously. What a great point you made about sex negative culture, because my clients, they sometimes they feel very cautious when they get this, they find themselves aroused to this new thing that might not be harmful to anyone at all. And they just because they don't understand it. Now they're thinking they're labeling themselves at like, what's going on? As you mentioned, am I a sexual deviant? I'm a pervert. Which is so funny because many of those fantasies are so common and because people are not talking about sex in the society overall, people just don't know what are some of the common things people are fantasizing about. So I definitely find it interesting that how fearful people are about their sex life, their, about their sex, uh, sexual energy. And as you mentioned, it's just more about kind of exploring it. And also it could be instead of kind of judging it, I always recommend people to be curious about it. Okay, maybe this is this says something about your erotic template, maybe it teaches you something that you didn't know. So that's very interesting. Yeah, I totally agree. 
when you're having an erotic fantasy or thinking about some some sexual fantasy, for example, let's say you have a really you know explicit rape fantasy, and you have a fantasy about somebody like breaking into your house and like ravishing you, and you're like, oh my god, I'm a I'm what I'm a, I believe in women's rights and and agency. Like, why am I thinking something like this? Like, does that mean that I'm a bad feminist? Does it mean I'm not I'm not good at being I'm not a good woman? Like, what does that mean about me? And actually, like having a rape fantasy is perfectly normal and is just your mind exploring different avenues of sexual pleasure because some women do have the fantasy of being, you know, ravished or being taking away all of their control during sex. And like, that's a sexy thing to them. Like, does that mean that you actually want to get raped or that you believe women should get raped? Of course not. It's just a part of your sexual exploration. And that's part of what makes fantasy so healthy and such a great part of sexual exploration is that you can be fantasizing about something that you don't necessarily want to have happen in real life. I mean, maybe you maybe you have a threesome fantasy and you really want to have a threesome with your partner in your fantasy, but you don't think you could actually do it in real life. Like, that's okay. That's part of it too. If you do want to have a threesome in real life, that's also fine. But one of the best things about fantasy is the ability to explore these different avenues of comfort with your sexuality that you don't necessarily have to act out in real life, which I think is something that makes it really great. You brought up what a very, like a very important point that kind of made me think about the conversation I have with many of the women I work with, which is about rape fantasies. That's a perfect example. I work with lots of like feminists, like women who are like very successful and it's like it's so common to have rape fantasy. I was reading in one of the journals that was saying that rape fantasy for women is number one compared in the study that they looked at as one of their common fantasies. But unless you're talking about it with other people or you're reading about it, you might get very scared, as as you mentioned, because you would feel there's something wrong with me, kind of asking your, as you said, like sense of agency. And again, it's just nothing to do with uh, necessarily who you are as as a person in the sense that you would think that, oh, yeah, I want to I want someone to violate me. Yeah, I think that with a lot of stuff like rape fantasies, for example, some of the sexual fantasies that we have are so sexually erotic because they are not something that we actually want to experience or they're something that we find morally abhorrent to our inside of us. Like being violated or being raped is not something that any woman actually wants to have happen to her. So, but when you think about it in a way that you have control, because when you have a fantasy, you have control over that fantasy because it's your own mind. Like no one is going to violate you inside of your own brain. So you're really are in control of that fantasy. So you're able to take this forbidden taboo, bad thing that you, that you think is so t- awful and you're able to eroticize it and make it sexy. But the key element is that you have control over that. Right. And based on some of the training I have is actually it's the purpose of that is opposite. The purpose of the sexual fantasies is helping people to create this psychological safety so they can feel aroused. For example, some some of the women I work with, they feel they're maybe too powerful. So they had this like rape fantasy and that the function of the fantasy might be again when we're it's very different from person to person. But when we're exploring it, it's about like with my power, I cannot hurt anyone. So that's why they have that particular fantasy. But again, the reason is so different. As you mentioned, part of it goes back to our childhood. Part of it goes back to different things in our psyche. So one thing I wanted to definitely talk further about was that you mentioned like about threesomes and other kind of things that we are thinking about. And most people, they don't want to 
act on in their fantasies or they want to act in a different version, which is might be safer or more realistic. So where, what do you uh, recommend for people to share or not share with their partner when it comes to their fantasies? Well, I mean, I think that there are a couple factors you have to consider with something like that. If you're in a trusting relationship with or a, a trusting, even just a sexual relationship with somebody, you should be able to share any one of your of your fantasies that you want with your partner. One of the key things that makes sex so great is having trust with somebody so that you can feel like you can express yourself to the fullest degree. I mean, if you're having a one night stand with somebody or, you know, you're just casually hooking up and you don't really have that kind of trust, like maybe you don't want to share those fantasies with them. Again, it's like totally up to you. But if you have a trusting relationship with somebody, you should be able to share anything that you want to share. Um, that being said, if you have like a sexual fantasy that maybe involves something, something that you really don't, you don't necessarily have to share everything that you want. Like say, for instance, you have like a sexual, a, we- a sexual fantasy that involves like incest or something. Like that might be something that you feel very shameful about and you don't want to share that. And maybe your partner wouldn't really understand that. And that's okay if you don't want to share that. But when it comes to the things like a rape fantasy or like a threesome fantasy or a bondage fantasy, you know, something that isn't as dark, you should be able to share those things with your partner. And you should be able to, they should be willing to listen to your fantasies and be willing to give you non-judgmental, non-critical feedback. I mean, maybe they, maybe you tell them you have a, this intense fantasy about being chained to a wall and having them like spank you or whatever. And maybe they don't necessarily want to do that, but you should feel comfortable telling them about it and, and knowing that they would not judge you for it. I love that because it's very important in a relationship that's trusting and to kind of be able to talk about like share whatever you want to share. It doesn't necessarily mean that So sometimes people get confused. They think they can ask for what they want and they're the other person is they need to they got they have to give it to them but that's not what a trusting relationship is it's just about the safety of being express yourself freely so what if the things are the uh, like if we are the other part so if our partner shares with us some very intimate their sexual fantasies and that's not something that we we know about ourselves that we're not willing to explore it at all how can we kind of communicate that without shaming our partner or creating this rupture in our relationship? I mean, that's a very interesting question. I think the first thing you have to gauge is to figure out if the person is sharing this fantasy with you um, with the hope that you'll want to explore it with them. Because sometimes you're sharing your fantasy with your partner just because you want to get it out in the open and you want to have a discussion about it and tell them what you're thinking about. And maybe that's just something you like to think about during during sex or it's just something that you know, turns you on and you're kind of just setting the foreplay for your sexual experiences. But if it's something that your partner is coming to you and they are, like I'll use an example, like they want to try a uh, sharp play, which is like with, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's like where you use like knives during sex and you don't necessarily cut anybody, but like the sharpness is like a turn on. And let's say you want to try using knives and or scissors or something during sex and your partner and you or your partner does and you don't want to. You have to be willing to like listen to what they say and then come to come to that conversation from a place of empathy and compassion instead of being like, no, that's fucked up. Like, I never would do that. That's so scary and dangerous. Try coming at it from a place of being like, you know, I really respect that that's something that you want to try. I don't really think that that's something I would want to try. Perhaps we could try this other thing that's sort of a compromise. Like maybe instead of a knife, 
you could use a spoon because then nobody's going to get poked with it. Or if your partner wants to try, if your partner really wants to have a threesome and you really don't want to have a threesome, you could compromise by maybe watching some porn, but like some girl on girl action porn or some regular boy girl porn while you're um, having sex. And maybe that could be a compromise that the two of you have. One of the things to remember is that just because your partner is sharing with you something that's very important to them, something that they want to try, you don't have to feel pressured to actually do it. Like being in a relationship is about compromise. It's about making both partners feel satisfied. You should not do something that will make you feel extremely uncomfortable or something you're not interested in trying sexually or are not willing to explore just because your partner wants to. So that's another thing to, to uh, consider when you're having those conversations. Right. And I love when you mentioned that just checking in with our partner, because if if they are saying that because they want to act on that fantasy or just, just they saying that because they want to share that with you and they found even sharing it arousing. So it's very important to check in and kind of be open and curious, because as soon as, for example, I know for some of my heterosexual like clients, when they're talking about like the partner, the male client talks about threesome, then the, the woman gets very alert and kind of start like thinking about maybe I'm not good enough, all of this kind of thinking, but kind of be open about what you're talking about, be curious about and kind of see what what's their purpose about from the sharing it. Is it because they want you to kind of like you, you as a couple to try it or just you, they want to share with it? And also kind of maybe the other option would be kind of thinking, as you mentioned, that if you're not willing to do the act and the partner wants to kind of what would be the good compromise might be if that's okay for you. And the other point that you mentioned, which I, which is so important is about kind of, you don't need to do something that you're not comfortable with. What I love about BDSM community is how clear usually the consent is. So it, you need to be also clear about what is okay for you and what is not and communicate that with your partner. Right. I think that's one of the key elements of, of communicating fantasies in the first place. It's understanding that fantasies are negotiable and that you have to be able to have those, be able to say yes and to be able to say no and to have your limits and explore things inside of, and you can explore outside of your comfort zone, but it really has to be in a way that you feel comfortable with. And that's something that people really don't understand about the BDSM community. They think it's all about taking pleasure out of giving pain to somebody, just like causing them pain and they are not consenting. And it's, all this crazy stuff when really the BDSM community is totally rooted in, in consent. And these sorts of fantasies, whether they're BDSM or otherwise, are all about consent. If anything, a rape, a rape fantasy that you have, and if you even act it out with your partner, is going to be really, really negotiated beforehand. You and your partner have to sit down and be like, okay, this is how I want this to be. I want, I want to be the wife in the house, a housewife, and I'm going to be doing the dishes. And then you're going to come at 6 p.m. through the door and you're going to pretend to be a robber. And then you're going to do this thing and you're going to have these things in your bag. Like you're going to have a rope and you're going to have these things. So while it may be a rape fantasy and in your mind you're acting out this like sexy thing where you're losing control and being ravished, you actually have totally negotiated the scene beforehand. And so I think that people need to understand that link between fa like fantasy, acting them out, and what those scenarios look like when they're just random in real life or they happen in real life. Because the element of control and consent 
is critical to making those fantasies actually work in a sexual way as opposed to something that would be really scary or traumatic. Right. And I love that you're talking about thinking through the fantasy so you can come up with safe word and what's okay and what's not okay. So I think those are very important if you want to have kind of acted out the fantasy in a safe way. And the other part is like you can kind of build up to it. So for example, if you have like three fantasies, so you can maybe add on a little pieces by pieces each time and see if you like it or not instead of going uh, full force for it. Yeah, that's that's a that's an excellent point. Like you when you're doing fantasies, you don't necessarily have to that's another thing that can be very intimidating about a lot of things, not just um not just a, a rape fantasy, but all fantasies. It's like you people think that because often think that because you want to try a bondage fantasy, you have a that your partner is very into trying bondage, that you need to go out and buy like $3,000 worth of bondage equipment and you need, need to get a power drill and set up a sex swing in your apartment or you need to set up time with a professional dominatrix and go to a dungeon or you have to go to a sex party and, and do swinger stuff. Like there's this really, there's this misconception around it that you have to go full Monty. If you're like, okay, if I'm doing this fantasy, I got to go for it. I got to get in there and like do the whole thing. And that can really be something that causes you to be apprehensive because if you think that you have to go right in and do this thing that say you only have ever had, you know, normal vanilla sex, and then your partner's like, I want to try bondage. And you immediately think that they're taking you to a dungeon to get tied up and spanked. Like you're not going to want to do that. So taking, I mean, you might, but, <laughs> but you might, you probably won't though. So like, maybe you want to try something a little more simple. Like maybe your partner just uses his tie or her belt and she just, you know, puts it around your wrists or you put it around their wrists and you just sort of play with the different control elements of domination and submission, as opposed to doing all of these, what might be considered wild and, and intense things right away. You can totally build up to bigger things. And maybe you try a couple things and you don't have to even go further. Like maybe you try the belt, you say, tie your hands up with a belt and you're like, you know, that was, that was kind of scary. I don't want to do that again. That's okay. That's fine. There's, a, there's, it's like when you're sex positive, people automatically assume that you must do the extremes of things. And that's not what being sex positive is about. And owning your sexuality is not about doing things to the extreme. Sex positivity and owning your sexuality and feeling comfortable with yourself is about doing what you want to do and knowing what you want to try and trying things that make you feel turned on and make your partner feel turned on in a way that is safe and comfortable for you, whatever those things may be. Right. And so I'm just kind of curious, and I'm sure many of our listeners are curious about what are some common sexual fantasies that are experienced by each gender? Sure. The, I mean, fantasies really vary from person to person. And, and I think the most common that I've seen are threesome fantasies. That's a very, a very common one or, you know, a gangbang fantasy. Right. Which, you know, is born out of that whole taboo, multiple sexual partners, being ravished, having people pay total attention to you. You know, it's, it's a, that's a very common fantasy. Another one, of course, is the bondage fantasy that we've talked about. Uh, 50, studies have shown that like 50% of people have tried bondage of some kind or use it regularly in some form during sex. Which can that be is so interesting, yeah. Yeah, isn't that wild? Which can be, I think people don't realize that it's not just like, you. it's not all chains and whips. Like bondage can be like you like are gently choking your partner bondage can be like you're pinning their hands above their head during sex. Like that's, that's still part of that BDSM fantasy. So that's a very common one because 
what domination and submission are about is not, it's not about pain for the sake of pain. It's about control and the giving and receiving of control, which is a very important element of sex because there's so much control and consent that goes into sex that when you're giving and receiving control in a sexual way, that's a very big turn on, which is very hot. Um, Also, there are a ton of people who may be heterosexual or who maybe I'm not entirely sure about about how gay people if they have these fantasies, but I know that a lot of my heterosexual readers have fantasies about having same sex sexual encounters. And I mean, I know that's a big one for me. And maybe they may or may not want to have a same sex encounter in real life, but the idea of doing that is very sexy. Right. So yeah, those are I say those are the top three that I see. Right. And I, I love when you mentioned, uh, you just talked about the, you know, heterosexual people having fantasies like that they're, uh, they're involved as part of the threesome with another woman, if they're women or men, or if they're just like solely involved with that, like a same sex person and they get, people get scared and doesn't, and as I say, it doesn't necessarily means that it's an answer to your head, uh, your sexual orientation doesn't mean that you're gay we all are and as Kinsey talked about we are in part of the spectrum and now they say sexual orientation is a galaxy and you can be at any part of it uh, so yeah so I think just again it's just very important to be open and curious about your fantasies you know sometimes I wonder about how much pornography media plays into forming our fantasies what are your thoughts on that Oh, I definitely think that the things that I think that it go it honestly goes both ways. Our sexual fantasies are shaped in part by the things that we see in media, television, movies, etc. But media and television, etc., are also formed out of sexual fantasy. Like for instance, Game of Thrones, a lot like those sex scenes may inspire you to have, you know, those types of like group sex those group sex fantasies or like those intense like rape scenes like might turn you on to a rape fantasy. But the reason that the, that was written into the show in the first place is because the writers of that show knew that that's what that was going to, that that was going to be something that engaged its audience. Right. And I feel also it gives people permission to explore it. So I know it like 50 shades of gray, it's not necessarily accurate picture of BDSM or what people are doing. But I, I then after that, I saw this wave of my clients and my friends that they were kind of curious about acting out their BDSM fantasies. So it's not like they didn't have those fantasies, but part of it, it gives them permission to kind of, okay, this is something that's acceptable and you can try it out. Exactly. I think that that's, that's really the baseline thing that people need in order to actually accept and explore a different sexual fantasy, whatever that fantasy may be, is the permission to do it because of that sex negative culture, because of that shame that is inherently ingrained in us from the time we're very young children about sexuality. So to have somebody say, you know, you are normal, this is fine, you can try this, it's sometimes all you really need. Also, there are sexual fantasies that I know generations after generations uh, had them. So I, when I go into these different museums, I see this like black and white movies of like erotic movies. And some of the themes are very consistent throughout years. Right. No, that's that's definitely that's definitely true. So Gigi, it seems like you, I know you know a lot 
I know <laughs> you have lots of good blogs, good content. So if our listeners want to learn more about Six Positive, your website, your services, how can they reach you? Sure. Um, you can reach me on my website at MissGGangle.com. There's a contact page. You can also follow me on social media. Twitter is GGangle, Instagram is GGangle, and my Facebook page is GGangle Writer. So you can find me there. And um, I have lots of different content from the entire spectrum of sexuality, more than just fantasy, but, you know, gender politics and sexual everything. So I hope you guys will come and read it because it's good fun and very informative, I think. Perfect. I'll leave it on the show note. And again, thank you so much for your time. Of course, great talking to you too. Thanks so much for having me. Bye-bye. I bet you are curious to learn and hear more about some of the common fantasies that other people are having. I was looking at scientific literature and I found a study at Journal of Sexual Medicine that was published on 2014 with the title of what exactly is an unusual sexual fantasy and they talked about some of the common sexual fantasies that people were experiencing. So based on their research, some of the typical fantasies were like having uh, sex when you're having romantic emotions toward your partner, engaging and receiving and giving oral sex, having sex in unusual places, fantasies in which atmosphere and location are important, romantic location, for uh, men, it was sex with two women. And again, you can look at the breakdown in that study I mentioned. Some of the unusual one for women, there was urinating on partner, being urinated on, wearing clothes of opposite gender, forcing someone to have sex, abusing a person who's drunk, having sex with prostitute and some unusual one for men was urinating on partner being urinated on having sex with another man and having sex with more than three other men so again it doesn't mean that it's abnormal if you're having this sexual fantasies this study we're talking about how common are some of the sexual fantasies anyhow we are at the end of our show i just want to remind you guys if you like listening to this show please take a moment and subscribe and leave us an honest review in itunes it will help us to reach a broader audience and i will love you for that thank you so much bye-bye thanks for listening to sexology podcast for more great content visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.